Amen. Uh, we are excited to be here this morning. Again, we want to welcome you. My name is Andrew. I probably should have told you that on the front end, but I'm the worship pastor here at Iron City. Uh, not today, but uh, most of the time I am. So but we are excited to be here, we, uh, and I'm excited to be able to kick off this series this morning called Getting to Know Your Elders. And uh, I find it interesting that all the other pastors are not here this morning. <laughs> and I'm preaching, and I'm not really sure. Maybe I hope it's not that they know something about my preaching that I don't know. Um, but nevertheless, no, all kidding aside, we know that Cody and his family is on a much needed vacation, uh, time of rest for them. And we know John and uh, Aaron are on their way back from kids' camp, and they should be rolling here in about a about an hour or so. So, um, the, the good news is that, other than the gospel, is that I am the short-winded one. So uh, you should be able to get to the sizzler before all the craziness happens at the salad bar. Um, but for those, <laughs> but for those of you that don't really know a lot about me, I want to take just a second um, and tell you who I am. Born and raised in the booming metropolis of city of Abel, Alabama. Um, <laughs> Grew up attending Chula Finney Baptist Church. It was there that I came to Christ, and it was there that the Lord began to uh, place on my heart uh, the direction of ministry, a vocational ministry to follow, follow. And I was called to Hillcrest Baptist Church in Anniston at the ripe, mature age of 21, um, and I had it all figured out. Uh, served on staff there for 10 incredible years. It was there that I met my wife. It was there that we had our first, uh, not at there, but we had Micah while we were attending there. That would have been a good story. Um, but we, uh, we had a good time there. Uh, it was there at Hillcrest that I, I met uh, a lot of lifelong friends, including our, our, our pastor here, Cody, um, and one of our emerging leaders, Sam, who did an incredible job this morning leading us in worship, man, the team. It was like, I don't know how to explain it, sitting down there and, and no, knowing you're usually up here, and it's like, it's almost like your kids, and you're like just proud of them at the moment. Then, then you want to like run up here and do stuff, and it's like, probably shouldn't because we're not that kind of church. Uh, but we could be. We absolutely could be. Um, so it was there at Hillcrest that we saw God do some amazing things, uh, some incredible things there. Um, but it was also there that we saw God beginning to close some doors um, very difficultly. Um, we thought we would be there forever, and... Uh, we saw some doors closing, so it was that point we, through much prayer and uh, godly counsel, that we decided to move on, uh, step out on faith, and, and uh, we visited here uh, one Sunday, and I'm not sure, but I think two weeks later we applied for membership, so we didn't go anywhere else. Uh, but when, um, when, God, when God led us here, we had no idea uh, what was coming a year and a half later, we, and I certainly had no idea that I'd be filling the pulpit on a Sunday morning uh, for one of, what I would consider one of the best pastors and preachers in our area. Um, but when I was approached about the worship pastor position, I was ecstatic. You can imagine uh, leaving a full-time ministry position and not having anywhere to go and, you, and, and things just in your, your, in your mind, you second guess a lot of things. But I can remember that phone call and uh, wearing a, a pace a lot when I talk on the phone. And so it was just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And, and, then, and then it hit me. I was like, what about John? I was like, what about What's, what's John going to do? You know, so, but I was a little, a little freaked out there. But then they said, yeah, you know, we shared with me the whole plan and, and seeing God uh, work through John's life in student ministry. Uh, man, if you haven't seen the way John loves our kids, 
man, you have you are missing it. And so that that is a godsend uh, to that. So, uh, but man, God has been incredibly good to us, faithful to us, and and I can say with my whole heart that me and my family we love being here. We love the uh, vision for missions and discipleship here, which is what got us here. Uh, that hooked us. Uh, the vision that this church and the staff has for that um, is, is why that we are here. And we are excited about the direction of the future of this church for the next 30, 40 years. Um, and so we are excited. But today we are going to look at one verse of Scripture in the book of Colossians. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. We'll get there in just a minute. Um, in Paul's letter to the church at Colossae, uh, written from his jail cell. He was having to address some issues that was going on in the church there. And essentially, they were devaluing the supremacy of Christ. They were, they were taking Christ that, that was up here, the vastness, the bigness, the supremacy, the, the top thing of Christ, and they were kind of undercutting it. And they were allowing people to come into the church and, and do things, rituals and things that, that were kind of undercutting, saying you can do this and come to Christ, you can do this and be a solid believer, if you will. Uh, and so Paul is having to make some, uh, some, some corrections there. So he writes this letter uh, as a warning, but also as an encouragement. A lot of this book um, is very, very encouraging. So the first couple of chapters, we see Paul speaking a lot about being thankful to God in all things and the importance and the power of Christ and his rule and reign in all things. We see him speaking about putting on the new self uh, in Christ and how that we have been raised with Christ and that we've been raised with Christ, that we should set our minds on the things not of this earth, but on the things above and he's writing these words in chapter 3, a very applicable passage uh, about how we should live a, as a new creation. And we get to the verse that we're going to look at this morning, which is chapter 3, verse 16 in the book of Colossians. If you're physically able, I would ask that you stand as we read this passage together. It says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. May God bless the reading and preaching of his word. You guys may be seated. So what an amazing verse. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ be housed in you deeply. Let the word of Christ take precedence in your life, deep in your soul. Let it dwell there. What Paul is describing here is not mindlessly reading scripture or aimlessly reading a text and forgetting about it. He's not saying, hey, right before your D group starts on your way there, you should get your flashcard up on your steering wheel and try to memorize that so you don't look like a moron in about 15 minutes when you get to your D group. Okay? That's not what he's saying. Letting the word of Christ dwell in you is not a checkbox to start or end your day, even though that discipline is very good and it's much needed. That's not what he's talking about here. The first question we need to ask is, is that what is when it talks about the word of Christ? Well, teachings about Christ or the gospel and or the words that Christ spoke himself. Okay, so what's that? So from a thousand foot view, the Bible, the gospel, um, but from a, a, a closer 20 foot more microscopic view, love the Lord with all your heart, your soul and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. It's also go you therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. Behold, I'm with you even to the end of age. The word of Christ here is pretty plain and straightforward. And Paul is saying, hey, church, these, these words 
dwell in you. Spend time thinking about those things. Write them on your heart. Get to know them. Use them daily. Several, several months ago, uh, we were doing some renovations on our house, which I absolutely love doing. And, and uh, we were doing some tile work, doing some floor work, and uh, baseboards, shoe mold, the whole nine, the whole nine yards. And, and I, I'll be honest with you, church, I, I feel like I'm, I'm pretty good with tools, uh, basic hand tools. I feel like I'm, I'm pretty decent with that. And I, I kind of get a grip on it. I'm from, you know, the, the able area, and we know what tools are, okay? Um, but my dad, being the awesome dad he is, hey, I have these pneumatic tools that will make your life so much easier. Okay, great. And, and uh, so he brings over the air compressor, brings this pneumatic um, gun, and it was, uh, I think it was called a Brad Nailer. I'll tell you how much I know about it. I didn't know what that was until I started studying for the sermon. And so it's a Brad Nailer. And so essentially what it is, it's a, it's, a, it's a pneumatic air gun that shoots a little piece of steel at like 18 gauge at like a billion miles per hour out, okay? But it's so much easier using that for, for places that you need to paint over and, and small pieces of wood. And, um, and so Dad hands it to me, and I'm in the bathroom working, and I get the first one. I got this, and this is going. This is a breeze. Ding. What? I thought, what was that? Do it again, and I see it like come out and curve back, and immediately I realize that this thing has shot out of the wood and come back and almost hit me in the face. And I said, God, what, what would I have done if that had hit me in the throat and, and, and I would have bled out in my bathroom? <laughs> and, and so the, the thing is, I, I didn't know how to properly use this tool. Uh, I had not studied it. I had not learned about it. I had not memorized its ways. But guys, scripture memorization is incredibly important. Memorizing verses, memorizing chunks of scripture large passages, ch uh, chapters, even books, uh, is so incredibly important. And I mentioned D-Group earlier. If you want the most out of your discipleship group, man, focus. Focus on your scripture memorization. Focus on your scripture memorization. Let the word dwell in you richly. Uh, I can remember when, when our D-Group was challenged, tasked with, the, uh, with memorizing a large portion of scripture, thought to myself, and I, and I hope some of the other guys thought this, like, you've got to be kidding me, right? You want us to memorize what? I was like, I got, look, bro, we got, we got John 3.16, we got Romans 3.23, like, I can't even remember the passage, like, the passcode to my phone sometimes, okay? You expect me to do what with Romans? Okay? So it was, it was that uh, much of a challenge to us. Uh, but what happened is we began to dig in. As we began to lean on the scriptures and those words from Paul began to dwell in our hearts and it began to mold the way we all thought and the way we were acting, the way we would see situations, it began to dwell richly in us. It began to show up everywhere we started, uh, as we started with the word. And there's a reason that our core value, our first one here, is start with the word. Watch what happens when you start with the word and let it dwell in you richly. When we begin to allow the word of Christ to dwell in us, we begin to think about the word of Christ and the gospel, and it will become the main object of our conversations. By doing this, it makes teaching and admonishing one another possible. See, guys, we can't expect to be able to teach something that we don't know. We can't expect to admonish someone or, or, or rebuke or warn someone 
about something that we don't know what the Word says about it. As the Word of God enters our minds and souls and our hearts, we will na- it will naturally flow out of us and as we teach, as we admonish, as we rebuke, we love, as we encourage. It will naturally flow out of us uh, with all wisdom, wisdom from a holy God through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. And to me, and if you've been in this situation before, you understand how, how difficult this can be. This is probably one of the most difficult things in the Christian walk, in my opinion, it is, is rebuking or warning another brother or sister in Christ. And coming from someone who's been on both sides of that, let me share this with you. If, if you are the one receiving that warning, if you're the one receiving that rebuke, you should praise God. You should praise God that someone in your life cares about you enough to lament over a situation. That, look, I can tell you it's hard for them. They don't want to come to you with this, but they have to because of what the Word of God says to You should praise God that somebody cares enough about you that they're going to have a difficult conversation with you in hopes, in hopes of you seeing that and repenting and turning from that. Paul is telling the church that you have a duty. First, it's to start with the word, then it's to teach and admonish each other. He says, love your brother or sister enough to lovingly correct them and warn them with wisdom from God. I'm telling you this morning, it is our responsibility to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly so that we can teach and so that we can admonish with all wisdom. And as this happens, it should cause us to be overjoyed and cause our hearts to sing songs. Let me tell you, man, when, when you guys sing in, in a corporate worship setting, it is encouraging. When you guys sing out in here, man, it is extreme from a worship pastor's perspective, from being able to sit down there and listen to the voices behind me, even the one that was directly behind me. It was encouraging. It was encouraging. But when, when Paul encourages the church here to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, they are not separate from each other. Uh, it would be like modern day me saying, okay, guys, let's sing this praise chorus or this praise song or this worship tune or this hymn or whatever. There, there, there's no disconnect between any of that. Paul uh, says basically, like, look, whatever you're, you're singing, uh, when you sing it, bring it. Okay, that's, that's what he's saying here. Paul encourages the church to be a singing church. And guys, if I could desire anything from a, a worship pastor's perspective, like it would be that we are a singing church, that we are known as a singing church. I think of singing much like giving, that, that some can give a little, some can give a lot, uh, but it doesn't really matter the amount or the quality. Um, Paul says to sing, and, and I get it. You, you may not think you're a good singer, and you genuinely may not be a good singer, and that's okay. Uh, <laughs> but, but Paul is just saying, look, he said, guys, you know, in, in, in all wisdom, singing songs and hymns, he uh, didn't say, like, if you can only sing the songs and hymns if you can stay on pitch. And say, sing the songs and hymns if you think you're a good singer, or sing all the uh, songs and hymns and, and psalms if you've had any formal musical training. He didn't say that. He just says, sing. Some of the problems uh, with churches no longer being singing churches is it, is it isn't, isn't always the congregation's fault. Uh, our culture, even the church culture, we have, especially in the last 15 years, we have. Uh, 
we've really squashed your opportunities uh, to sing. And that's by singing songs that, that, are, that are way too high for you or way too low for you or uh, that you don't feel comfortable singing. Look, I get it. No, not everyone has the range of Kerry Job and, and Anthony Evans, okay? There's, we, don't, we don't. None of us have that. Um, but, and so what happens is, as worship pastors, and Sam has dealt with this, I've dealt with this, I'm sure John has as well, is there are certain songs that we think fit our, our vocal range really well and really showcase our voice. Uh, really, there's a certain sweet spot. Um, and we oftentimes will pick those songs because it makes us sound good. Well, the problem with that is it's not about us. Our job is to help you be able to sing in corporate worship. And so uh, as your worship pastor, I can promise you that we are aware of uh, things like that and that we focus on having songs that, are, that you're able to be able to sing with us. Uh, we also crush your ability to sing songs when we do new songs that, that um, maybe are difficult to follow along with. Um, and by new in the sense, I mean newly written, not necessarily new to you. Um, but these songs that, uh, that, that, that you really can't follow without having a lot of musical training. And guys, look, I love songs like, new songs like everybody else does. And, um, but if you have to sing something like 20-something times just to get an inkling of the, the chorus, that's probably a hint that we probably shouldn't do that one. Okay? Um, there's a reason that, um, that the hymns are so singable. Um, but I'm, I say all that to say worship, worship pastors all across probably this county and the, the state and the world are singing songs that, that squander and that, that, that remove congregations' ability to be able to sing along in worship. Uh, man, that, and that's wrong. It's not an easy task for worship leaders to do that. Um, but, but I say all that to follow back to this. Paul says, sing. Whatever it is, sing. Some of my favorite times in worship, uh, and, I, and I'll give you, a little, I'm give you a little inside information here, okay? Uh, you've probably seen us with these little things that dangle off our ears. No, they're not earrings, okay? Um, some may have earrings, but mine are not. Um, and you may see us pull our, our they're called in-ear monitors, okay? We're going to have a little tech training here for a second. This is a side note, not in the notes. Uh, but it helps us hear each other better, okay? Well, if you ever see me pull my left ear out, that is cue to you that you sound good and I want to hear more. Okay, so that's, that's a little cue to you guys. If you see me pull that ear out, you go, hey, I like that. If you notice Sam right there at the end of the worship service, he, he had both ears in, he pulled them out. Why? Because he was encouraged by your singing and he wanted to hear more of that. So there's our little inside information. We've got a little something, something going on here, okay? So there are times, um, I think back to, uh, we went to T4G a few months ago, and there was 10,000-plus voices singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God, most of them pastors, so you know how poorly that could have been. Um, but it wasn't. It was incredible. It was incredible, not because of anything special on stage. It was a piano and a vocal mic, very basic. But, man, it was encouraging to hear those guys. It was a little peak of heaven. And there are weeks when we are singing uh, here and it's so good. Like two weeks ago, man, two weeks. I don't know what y'all did, but it was incredible two weeks ago. This week was good. Last week, meh. But, you know, two weeks ago was really good, okay? Um, and I can tell you're locked in and it's just hot. The service is just it's, it's smoking, man. It's just good. And then there are weeks when it's just kind of cold, a little indifferent. And if I was willing to bet the weeks that it's a little off, 
the word of God probably hasn't dwelled in your hearts that week. Maybe not as much so as the week before or the week after. Maybe it's us, you know. The Word of God probably hasn't dwelled in our heart as much that week. But let me encourage you, corporate worship is special. It's a special time. We don't have a whole lot of it. Uh, we just don't have enough, a lot of time with that. But it's a special thing. And if you've had a bad week and maybe you fell back into a perpetual sin or something... Let me just tell you, repent. Spend time in, in, in the altar before the service ever starts. And, and I get it. You, can, you feel guilty because you haven't, you haven't had a good week with the Lord. You haven't spent time in His Word. I get that. Trust me, I get that, okay? And you're expected to come in here and sing three worship songs like everything's pretty? Life isn't pretty, man. Life is, life is tough. It's hard. So I'm, I'm encouraging you, before, before you waste an entire service, and spend time in repentance. Get your heart right. Worship the Lord God with a thankful heart. Sing. And don't just sing to be singing, but sing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. You say, well, Andrew, <laughs> look, dude, I really can't sing. Yeah, but I, I bet you can be thankful. I, I, I guarantee that you can be thankful. And I'm even going to go as far as to say there is probably a song you may not know what it is, but there's probably a song in each of your hearts. Now, some of you, those songs probably need to be purged and re replaced with other songs, but that's not the point. But there is a song in each of your hearts. There's a song in, in my heart. When I'm, when I'm having a good day, when I've had a good week with the Lord, there is a song that comes out, and it says, There is a river that flows from deep within. There is a fountain. See, it's songs like that, man, that just come out of my, my soul. I, I, don't, I don't know why. I, I'll be honest with you, I, I've never even, I don't even know the name of that song. <laughs> I'm assuming it's, there's a river or something. But there's, I don't know who wrote the song. I've never even led the song. But anyway, but that song, like, in here, I mean, you can ask Sam. There's times where, like, I'll, I'll be at work and that you'll hear that song. Um, and, and, but there are also times in my life where I've had a rough week. There's been times where I have slipped back into a, a past sin that I thought, man, I got that, man. And I, and I hear the words, and, and, I, and I sing the songs of, you know, Lord, I Need You by, by Chris Tomlin, where sin runs deep. Your grace is more. Where grace is found is where you are. And where you are, I am free. Holiness. Holiness is Christ in me. I think about a Jason Crabb song uh, that's a... Um, it's a great song that, that comes to my mind. Um, my strength is gone. My, my heart is full of sorrow. I can't believe how much I've let you down. I dread the pain that waits for me tomorrow as the sun reveals my broken dreams scattered on the ground. God, please forgive me. God, I need your grace to make it through. Lord, all I have is you. I'm at your mercy. Lord, I will serve you until my dying day. Help others find a way at your mercy. Lord, please forgive me. Those are the weeks, those are the songs that come out of my heart. Sing with thankfulness in your heart to God for what he's done in the past. Sing with thankfulness in your heart for what God is doing right now. Sing with thankfulness in your heart for what is God is going to do in the future. 
Have you ever done that? Have you ever thought about that? Thank God for what he's going to do in the future. I mean, he's been so faithful in the past. His promise still stands great as his faithfulness. Listen, guys, the, the faithfulness of the Lord transcends time. He doesn't under, the, the, the faithfulness of the Lord doesn't, under, doesn't have a start time and an end time. If God is faithful, incredibly faithful, what, well, what are we thankful for? Personally, live in a place where I was brought up and I got to hear the gospel. Think about that. I was, I was born in a place where I was able to hear the gospel and respond to the gospel, telling God, God, have your way with me. Have your own way, Lord. I have reason to be thankful for, for God sending me my wife, a beautiful, godly woman. I have reason to be thankful because of my son. I have reason to be thankful for my daughter, who I hope to get to meet in just a couple of months. The Lord has provided me a job that I love. The Lord has provided a ministry I get to serve in, a church family to partner with that encourages me. I'm thankful to God that in his sovereignty, I went from Chula Finney to Hillcrest to Iron City. And I get to serve on a staff with some of my best friends, a staff who is committed to you guys for the long haul. And this is not a stepping stone ministry for us. I'm thankful that for what's going to happen here at Iron City in the future. I'm thankful for the missionaries that God is going to raise up here and send out. I'm thankful for the mission partnerships that we're going to get to see happen in the future. I'm thankful for, for God being able to raise up preachers and leaders and missionaries and elders and deacons and deacons' wives, and, and I'm excited to see that happen. I'm thankful for what God is going to do in the future. These things and so many more pave the way for me to sing songs with thankfulness in my heart. The question is, what do you have to be thankful for? Is it your health? Is it your family? Is it finances? Are those things you're thankful for? So what if your health is failing? happened to some of you? What if you lose your family? Some of you have children that have, are far away. Some of you have had issues with your family. What if you get so far in debt that you see no other way out and you feel like there's no way to get out the financial situation that you're in? What if God removes all the things that we think are blessings in our lives? Would you, could you sing a song with thankfulness in your heart to God? Are the promises of the scriptures enough for you to sing with a thankful heart? Is the word of Christ that's hopefully dwelling in you enough for you to sing with a thankful heart to God? There's no doubt there are several of you in here this morning that are having trouble singing with a thankful heart to God because of sin, because of the separation. Maybe you have a relationship with the Lord, but there is something there that's causing you to not be able to have a song in your heart or discover that song in your heart. This morning I am asking you, this is what these altars are for? It's a place for things to come and die. 
bring it down here and kill it. Others of you, you're having a hard time singing with a thankful heart because there is a gap between sinful man and a holy God that is only accessible through Christ and his work on the cross. Today is the day of salvation. Is the word of Christ that's dwelling in you richly enough for you to sing with a thankful heart?